0: Good afternoon, welcome to Coffee and Conversation. This is Jeff Harris, I'm superintendent of schools for Del Norte County Unified and Del Norte County Unified School District. Uh, In the time it takes to have a cup of coffee, something to drink with a friend and have a quick conversation, we wanna talk with you about things that are of importance to you as you think about our schools and our students, especially in a year when we're facing so many unique challenges and situations. So joining me today, Our Leslie Machado, our Director of Curriculum and Instruction. Good afternoon, Leslie.
1: Hello, thank you.
0: And Tom Kissinger, Assistant Superintendent for Educational Services. It's good to be back. So, um, you know, let's talk. I think the thing that makes this year the most different is the ability to have distance learning. We've talked about distance learning a lot, right? Um, Distance learning was established by SB 98. We know that distance learning is not the crisis learning that we saw back in March, April, and May. Uh, there are a lot more, um, uh, criteria in providing distance learning, um, daily live interaction, uh, at least three hours of distance learning for, uh, kindergarten, two hours and what would know, what is it? Three hours and 50 minutes for first and second grade. And then four hours, um, for everybody else at a minimum. And again, that's the floor, not the ceiling. Um, this has not been an easy process, putting distance learning together, has it, guys?
1: No. There's a lot of unknowns and things that we had not thought of when we began all of this planning.
2: And I would even say that just, just putting together the professional development and training so we would even have the capacity to do it, um, was, it wasn't an easy, easy pull. It was, it was something that I think took a lot of planning and preparation just to get to the point where we could offer a quality distance learning program.
0: Well, and, and I'm going to go back to something I've said before. This is nothing schools have ever done before comprehensively in the history of our country. You know, I was talking to our board president, Frank Magarino, the other day. For almost every other issue that comes up, there's a time in history that you can look at something and you can say, let's learn a lesson from what happened there. Because while it may not be exactly the same, there's an analogy that can be drawn. There is nothing like this in history. Well, yeah, certainly,
2: uh, you know, I would say that
0: it's been around for a
2: while in the post secondary world, Um, but in the K-12
0: world, it kind of started with, with the COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to ask a 19, 20 year old to log into a computer for some distance learning at a college level. It's much different to ask a parent of a four and a half year old who's entering TK or kindergarten to log in and do everything in a way that they've never done it before. So, and, and Leslie, I know you've been really involved in getting getting numbers together and everything else. And we we originally anticipated as many as 10% of our families wanting distance learning, but we're a little over that now.
1: Yeah, we we have succeeded. Today, uh, when I ran our, our query, we were at 413 for TK8 who are requesting distance learning right now. Wow. And, yeah.
0: So, and, and we only have about... 2,500, 2,600 students in TK eight. So as we're talking about that, that four hundred students is quite. That's a significant amount. I mean, we're pushing twenty percent. Right. And right now, I would. We have all of our high school students
2: at Del Norte High School are locking on and doing distance learning in the morning too. So right, it's that four hundred and thirteen plus all of our high school students plus a thousand
0: more. Yeah. Right. Right. So let's talk a little bit about distance learning, because I think the one thing that we know right now, our distance learning classes are maxed. We're mm-hmm. full en- enrollment in enrollment and distance learning is now by waitlist only mm-hmm. unless there's an emergency. And we can talk a little bit more about that later. But um I know a lot of our families had a lot of opportunities to sign up for distance learning, to say I'm interested in distance learning. What did that look like over the past few weeks in just just getting the numbers?
1: Right. So before we g- began phase three on Monday, October 5th, uh, the the week before up until that Friday, October 2nd, principals, teachers, site secretaries spent that entire week calling just about every single family to make sure that they understood that they were choosing in-person or distance learning to have that last conversation. Uh, surveys had gone out and there were some, you know, we didn't hear from every parent that way, but every uh, principal, teacher and site secretary made every effort if we had a valid number, any number that they could contact. Uh, they made contact, personal contact with families that last week to make sure that we knew kind of what numbers we could staff for because we had to have some type of an idea of how many students for each grade level we're going to be requesting distance learning because we aren't going to be adding teachers to our mix. It's with what we already have, the staff we already currently have. So we were trying to, um, principals, worked I know all weekend trying to flex those numbers and see how they could create cohorts and then how could they also support distance learning and so it it was a lot of work and it was based on about 300 students we a little bit over 300 is what we had anticipated
0: right and and I think if if I'm not mistaken we had said that on October 2nd that was kind of it Mm -hmm. that was that was when we were done Mm -hmm. um (laughs) well that's when we thought we were done right um what happened in the following five days so
1: every day uh i would pull those reports and i i was expecting to see about the 302 uh and then uh that monday october 5th uh we pulled the reports and it's about 308 and then tuesday it started jumping and jumping and then um we had our first uh COVID in a, in a couple of schools. And then all of a sudden it just started jumping in a, in a, in a way that we were trying to accommodate those DL learners with with uh, DL cohorts or distance learning, sorry, cohorts that we had already created and pushing kids into those cohorts. But what happened is those filled up so quick. And now all of a sudden we're having to look at, okay, we have these in-person cohorts. Is there any way we can consolidate maybe a Monday, Wednesday, and a Tuesday, Thursday together to create another distance learning cohort? And we we did that several times, but there's a lot of risk at doing that because at the same time we're we're trying to create those stable cohorts within that, and by mixing them again, then we have to start over for the two weeks to create a stable cohort. That's
0: right. Well, and and not only that, we're disrupting kids who are starting to get to know their teacher. We're disrupting kids that are starting to get to know their peers in the class. We're disrupting a lot of different um, siblings, uh, siblings, Siblings.
1: because you move a a second grader from a Monday, Wednesday to a Tuesday, Thursday, and that might work. But all of a sudden now you've got brother who's in the opposite cohort and that's not going to work for families. And so families have been very flexible in understanding that we've tried to accommodate as, as much as we possibly can.
2: So in about in almost two weeks of time, we've added a, almost another twenty-five percent of the student population in K eight to distance learning, and having that be a change for 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 students and families. Absolutely, it's also been it's also been a significant change for teachers and administrators. Absolutely,
0: right? Well, and classified sports yeah. staff. Because I, we've got classified staff that are doing a phenomenal job to support out there.
1: Yeah, and I wanted to say to our distance learning teachers that every day they would log in and think they'd have a certain cohort, and there'd be three or four more kids added to their roster, uh, and they are being so flexible in 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 like just knowing that those numbers are climbing in every day. And so I really, really appreciate uh, the flexibility with that because they didn't know who they were going to have um, until they kind of logged in that morning. It's like, oh, welcome, three new students today. So. That, that's a difficult thing to do, but that's a lot to
2: ask. And it's created some challenges now that we, now that we, um, now that we're at the end of this second week, just about uh, Jeff, uh, now we have to, now we have to find a way to work with everybody who's, who's asked for distance learning. And it has caused some, some challenges in a few cases.
0: You know, it really has. And and I think if we keep kids at the center and we keep kids first, um, and this is not always the popular view, you know, when I was a when I was a principal, we would do master scheduling every year, and I was at some pretty big schools, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade with twelve, thirteen hundred sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. We'd put the master schedule together, and we all felt really good when our master schedule worked for ninety six percent of our kids. You know, that was the point that we could say okay, well, let's wrap it up for the summer. When we come back in August, we'll figure out what to do with those extra 40 or 80 students that we needed to figure out what their schedules look like. And I think that's kind of where we are right now. You know, For 3,600 students, um, we have schedules that I'm gonna say mostly work because we, we do definitely do not want to, to minimize the impact it's having on families or, or our students themselves. But for the vast majority, it's working, but we still have some outliers that we're trying to figure out how do we accommodate in a way that is appropriate and that's going to push them forward educationally.
1: Yeah, we have about 15 students who are sitting on on a wait list for distance learning because uh, during this time, I think, you know, safety is paramount. And so we don't want to mix anymore. We're at the end of our second week and we really want to create those stable cohorts for our students and also for our our staff members. So at this point we have about, about 15 sitting on, on a, a distance learning wait list.
0: Well, and just so everybody understands to make that cohort stable, it's that group of students together for roughly two weeks that are bringing their um, we'll say collective germs into the area. Uh, they're stabilizing throughout those 10 school days. And then really into that third week, maybe that fourth week that now is a stable cohort and that cohort should stay stable for nine to 12 weeks. Right. So that's really what we're going for because that's, what's allowing, um, us to come back. That's what's allowing us to have, kind of these, um, half class sizes in our rooms, that's, what's allowing us to be, um, uh, I think just to be in school.
1: Yeah. And so we talked about Senate bill 98 and, um, for distance learning, there are some requirements for, uh, well, some ways that, that a parent can request that their student become a distance learner. And, um,
0: even with even with the closed classes, yeah, right, yeah,
1: even with the closed classes, and that would be that their student is uh, medically fragile, or they have somebody at home, or for the student themselves that in-person instruction um, may compromise that, or that they have been um, quarantined because they've had risk of exposure to COVID nineteen.
0: So, well, not not risk of exposure; they've actually been exposed to COVID nineteen. Okay, yeah. 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 So
2: it's not just well, this isn't really kind of my cup of tea. I. I'd like to move over to
0: the distance learning. There's some criteria to this. Yeah, and there are. And, And again, you know, I think it's one of those things where distance learning was not a mandate from the state. Distance learning, it said a district may... Offer distance learning. And we knew that there was a lot of anxiety in our community. We knew that we had a lot of students who had underlying health conditions. We knew that we had medically fragile students that could not come to school in person. And to be, I think, good, responsible, and responsive um, stewards of our educational system, our school board said, We want to see a distance learning option. We all wanted to see a distance learning option. And um, so we created distance learning. But, you know, Again, I think it goes back to what you were saying, Leslie and Tom. It's not about, you know what? I just really don't want to get my child up in the morning for school, so let's just do distance because it's easier. It really is for students who are medically fragile, who themselves have an underlying health condition and are more at risk or high risk if they were to contract COVID, have a family member living in the home that's high risk or, and at risk, or... um, If they are, and I think it's also under quarantine from a public health officer, or they have been exposed to someone who's positive for COVID. So um, that's why we have the waiting list, right? Because Mm -hmm. if we have a doctor's note that says this child is medically fragile then absolutely we're going to accommodate that.
2: Mm-hmm. So if can we talk a little bit about the waiting list? What does that mean? Waiting list and where are? So if I'm on a waiting list, does that mean I'm in distance learning or does that mean that i'm 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 going to school every day or or going to school with my cohort on the on the opposite days? I mean, so really, if if I would if I wanted to know what that is, what is that exactly?
1: So in the short term, it's it's an independent study contract. Well, it could be. So one option would be an independent study uh, contract where a student would uh, remain with their teacher, their teacher of record, their current teacher. And when that teacher, because remember, every student is doing a minimum of three days of distance learning. As Mm -hmm. as it is, so that teacher would uh, include the independent study student during their off cohort days, so they would be receiving the same asynchronous work that off cohort students are receiving, and they would be receiving the same daily live interaction in the afternoon with that off cohort student that those off cohort students.
0: But you know, I think if and I do this quite a bit, I'll have a parent who will come in and ask me a question. Right? So, Jeff, what would you really recommend that I do? And one of the things I love to do is talk with parents and lay out all the options, talk about, you know, some of the things that are a little bit more nuanced sometimes that parents don't think about. I think if I had a parent who asked me, what should I do? I'm on the waiting list. I'm not so sure I would go directly with the independent study piece because I think what, what folks fail to realize sometimes when we talk about independent study is the first word in that phrase independent, because when a child goes on independent study They are not provided with grade level instruction. They're given the work, but the work is done independently. They study independently. Um, Being in person cohorts, they're with the teacher. They're with their peers. They're getting direct instruction. They're getting direct access by a highly qualified staff member teaching that content. If they're on distance learning, same thing. Independent, there's no instruction. Because it's independent,
2: and I think it's really important to point that out because I don't think everybody understands that distinction, right?
1: But so while while cohort A might re- be receiving uh, in person instruction that day, and the next day they're going to be working asynchronously, distance learning, and your independent study students are going to be receiving that work, they might not. They, they, they didn't might receive, s- the they instruction. receive the instruction. So it's going to be a struggle, right? So yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I think that's what I would really say is if you're, if somebody really wants to go on distance learning, hang with the in-person cohort, go to school every day that you're scheduled to go to school. And then, um, at the end of the cycle of a stable cohort, nine to 12 weeks. And I think if you really kind of look at a calendar and pace out the nine to 12 weeks, that puts us to right after winter break and so, you know, if we're able, and here again, we're, we're talking about staffing, we're talking about where we are health wise with our students who are already on independent study or on uh, independent study mm-hmm. on uh, distance learning. When, when we talk about those things, we hope to be able to maybe make some moves right after winter, winter break. But I, I think at this point, it's a hope, it's a plan. Uh, it's a target, um, But we're going to need families to do one thing to help us out, and that is we're going to need to know well in advance of that if you would like a child to be on distance learning or if you'd like your child to be in person, right? Going from distance to in person or in person to distance. And I think we're going to be asking for that before. Thanksgiving. We're going to need to,
2: because we're going to need to have some time to plan and prepare and, and make sure we have the right amount of staffing for that.
1: Yeah, it's going to be important because uh, I don't think we anticipated the, the, the movement that we've, that we've seen these last two weeks.
0: Right. You know, I, I think we all felt really good on October 2nd (laughs) that we had about 300 students. We were getting that, you know, we had a, we had an idea of what that looked like. And then the sheer disruption that adding an additional, like Tom said earlier, bringing on that other hundred kids. I mean, that was a third more than we had at that time. And those kids that just enrolled over those five days count for fully a quarter of the number of students in distance learning right now. So, um, yeah, we've got to have that time where we know what families are looking for, when we can actually look at staffing, when we can reach out to people and, and see what's going on. So, but those are all of the struggles we had, and that's kind of looking ahead. But by the same token, I've been hearing some really cool things coming out of distance learning as well. So, do you, it's, it's so it's time for us to share. Who would like to share first? <laughs> So I, I can start. I, I
2: talk to I talked to families quite often, and um, I think that I think our children are surprising their parents. At how adaptable and how flexible they are, and the things that a, a transitional kindergartner or a kindergartner or a first grader can do to demonstrate uh, knowledge and show the teacher and share with classmates, I think is extraordinary and you're here and, and i'm hearing this from from many different parents, really from the our youngest our, our youngest children through our eighth graders, but I think what's most surprising and most impressive is what the what the 5-year-olds can do. They're pretty they're 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 really the parents are really excited about that. And the, and and you know what? And you got to you got to tip your hat to the teachers because they're the ones that have the confidence in the students that they can do these and the, and the self-confidence that they can do this too. Oh
1: yeah. So and speaking to teachers this week, they they talked about how wonderful it is to have students back on campus in phase 3. It's wonderful to see kids. It's great to have them there. Um, one of the concerns though I have to say that's come up is that teachers are teaching if you're an, if you're a Monday Wednesday cohort your teacher is teaching on Monday and they're depending on that work that you're going to be doing on Tuesday on your distance learning day and that that's going to feed into what the instruction the in person instruction will be on Wednesday um, and some of the concern was hey kids on their off cohort day when they're doing their distance learning we're not, not getting as much work as we need so just a, a gentle reminder to, to kids sorry it's not three days of vacation a week it is absolutely school, um, every day, including that Friday, that Friday is a time where it kind of goes back to our phase one, where you're getting that, that touch of with a teacher that, um, that, that live interaction with your classmates and your teacher. And then the rest of the day, you're really working asynchronously because every single day, those, those instructional minutes, that floor that you were talking about, that that's a requirement, whether you're in person and distance learning for all five days. So
0: it's really important. And remember, we're taking attendance.
1: Absolutely. And
0: and that attendance is reported. And for students who are gone, um, we, we have a process called SARB. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, we want SARB to be much, much more supportive. I just want to throw that out there. SARB is going to be much more supportive, but um, students are expected to attend five days a week. And under California law, that's called compulsory attendance. Um, I've already gotten a call from our district attorney, and we've, we've had a couple of conversations about enforcing compulsory attendance. I thought you said this was supposed to be supportive. It It is supportive <laughs> because the only time the district attorney wants to get involved is after we've had multiple opportunities to help families and, and families have not taken advantage of those opportunities.
2: You know, Jeff, when you speak about attendance, um, one of the things that's kind of part of SB 98 was having a multi-tiered plan for making sure kids are in school and how we handle if kids aren't coming to school, there's a big, and when I say coming to school, whether they're logging on or participating or whether they're attending in person. person. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a, it's been a really important part of that legislation to make sure that we have a plan to follow up with people who, if they're, if they're not participating. So I think that's a, a really good part of SB 98.
1: Yeah. And just to go back to my point about, you know, we already know that we have some learning loss that we're making up for lost time from the spring. And, um, if a, if a teacher is teaching something on Monday and expecting students to work on it on their own on Tuesday and coming back Wednesday, ready to go with, with new content and that work didn't happen at home. Now we're going back again and we don't have time to go backwards anymore. We need to move forward. We need our, our students to get as much new instruction from their teacher as possible. So it's really important on those off cohort, or distance learning days that students are participating in are, are doing the, the work that their teacher has assigned to them.
0: Right. Well, and, and, you know, just kind of going back to some really kind of bright spots too. I, I talking to our tech department, they said they've gotten calls from second grade kids saying, I can't log in. <laughs> um, and here again, well, well, that's a, well, that's a struggle because the child is ha- having a difficult time. I mean, and I don't mean to put a, um, too rosy of a view out there because we, we are going to recognize the struggle, but look at the problem solving skills that that child is having and, and the ability to self-advocate and some stuff like that. You know, those are, those are things we try to teach kids in a classroom. If you, if you're struggling, do this. And so often we still run into students who can't. And yet in this distance learning mode, we're hearing kids do that. Mm -hmm. And, and we're seeing students, uh, I think, participate in ways they never thought possible that they may have never even thought about, and teachers are doing the same. So you know, as we're kind of looking at things that are being produced at interactions that are happening, um for those students that are really flourishing in independent or in I almost said independent study again, for those students <laughs> that are flourishing in distance learning, this is a new style of learning in comprehensive k twelve schools. In the state of California, in that comprehensive school, um, I think library that we could that we now have for education, and I don't think this is going anywhere. I think we are, we were forced into it. We were forced into it universally, but I think ultimately what comes out of this is an opportunity to have a really well-run distance learning program that's a normal and routine part of our district, whether that's in a separate school or a different program within a school. I think that's kind of where we're going. And just kind of in the last few minutes that we have left, what do you guys think about? Well, I would say that
2: I think this is always going to be a part of learning in the future. Um, And not only for, not only for our students, but the way that staff connect with each other, the way that staff connect with parents. But I think that, um, Based upon uh, the the new knowledge that's been created and and all the all the different variations of what we've had to do as educators, um, I really think that this is gonna this is gonna really change the way that people look at education in the future. And having and 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 being able to connect technologically is gonna offer some 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 great things for for kids as as we go through the, the next several years.
1: It makes me think about how creative we can be now with independent study. Uh, I remember as a teacher when I had a student with independent study and it would be a two week contract, I I would think, oh my gosh, all the things they're going to miss and I can't give feedback and I can't do this. Um, I I think about independent study now, if if this were to continue on and there was that daily live interaction and we just checked out a Chromebook to a student who was going on independent study and they were still connecting with their teacher through Google Classroom and maybe there were some instructional videos that the teacher was providing and providing Providing feedback on work, I think about how much more meaningful that would be. Just that independent study as a teacher was was not. Uh, it was a difficult thing because you knew students were missing instruction, and and quite honestly, when they came back, you were doing a lot of grading on things that had already passed, and basically it, w- it was work that they could do at that time. So it didn't address any of the standards or any of the new content that I was introducing as a teacher. However, I feel if we can do this with a Chromebook, my goodness, we we have a chance of 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 allowing some of that new instruction and some feedback, um, and and it wouldn't be uh just something that we that we need to do to check a box to to get uh, the independent study contracts cleared. So,
0: well, and and I think you know both of you are spot on, and and you know as we look at it, some of the objections that I think over the decades that folks have had with technology, right, and I all I. I've talked to various people over over the years about the difference between Teaching technology and using instructional technology, right? And we always teach technology. Go and sit in the computer lab. Take this. We're going to learn to keyboard, and those things are important. But we're now using instructional technology, and we've had people who were afraid to check out Chromebooks or check out devices to kids to take home. We've had people that that never really got into a learning management platform like Google or Seesaw or, um, or Google Classroom, rather Seesaw or Canvas. Um, that you know, it was like, well, I don't need to do that because I have kids. Now everybody's doing it. Every child has a device. Every child's taking a device home and working through them. And by the way, for those of you who don't have a device, we are working and getting them. There are about two hundred new Chromebooks that I just saw downstairs, and so uh, those should be going out in the next week or so. But um you know, I, I do. I think this is going. This is a revolution in education. Uh, I said it when the pandemic first started the um, Spanish flu and the first um, real report that established education in the United States came out in the nineteen early 1920s. And here we are a hundred years later, we have another pandemic that's affecting the way that we're approaching work. And we have another substantial shift in educational policy and history. So I, I think this is going to be something that our children and grandchildren and we'll be reading about and you know, we'll be sitting there saying, we remember that. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, Wait, I, there
2: I, was a time when you couldn't <laughs> get on to a Google classroom or whatever they call it at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, Anyway, Tom and Leslie, thanks for joining us and having the conversation about distance learning. Um, Like we said, we know that there's been a lot of challenges, but there also have been many, many, many successes. And we look forward just to making this better and better as the days and weeks move forward Um, and ultimately turning it into something that I think offers a much broader benefit to our county as we think about programs in the future. So, um, again, thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. We want to thank all of our families, our teachers, our classified staff, our school board and our community for all the support they've given us. We know it's been tough, but you've been behind us the whole time. So just want to thank everybody and um, hope everybody has a safe and and enjoyable weekend. (laughs)